You're listening to Inside the Athletic Mind with your hosts, Taylor Cook and Lauren Williams. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Athletic Mind, where we dig deep and shed light on the mental side of sports for female athletes and coaches by having open conversations about mental health, mindset, and performance. Today, I am joined by former Yukon Husky, now president and founder of Women's Hockey Life, Jacqueline Hawkins. Jacqueline shares her journey through women's hockey from the backyard ODR to college athlete, a season overseas in Switzerland to assistant coach at UConn, which all ultimately led her to creating Women's Hockey Life. We cover a wide range of topics from emotional awareness, the importance of mental training and mindset in performance, knowing and playing your role, listening to your intuition, and all the way to Jacqueline's mission to empower young girls to become strong and independent women and leaders. I absolutely loved this conversation with Jacqueline. It was such a pleasure to have her on, and I hope that you all enjoy it as well. If you like and enjoy this podcast, then please take a moment to hit pause and leave us a rating and review on Spotify or Apple. This really helps us to grow the podcast to reach more listeners, so we're able to provide valuable tools and strategies to athletes of all levels all around the world, just like yourself. But before we get into today's episode, we want to take a moment to thank our partner, Flowcode. As elite athletes, we know that in order to get into our peak state of performance, it requires that we get into flow. But most athletes experience flow by accident and not on purpose. With the FlowHub 7 Biohack Portal, you get access to an array of different flow techniques with their flow lessons, triggers, and programs. And you can stop leaving your game to chance and elevate your game by purposely getting into flow. Sign up today by going to www.theflowhub.com and get 10% off your subscription using the code IAM10. That's IAM10 in all caps at theflowhub.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to Inside the Athletic Mind. I am running solo today. Lauren is getting settled in at her new school where she's going to be the assistant coach for a new NCAA Division I program at Stonehill College. And today I am joined by a special guest, Jacqueline Hawkins. Jacqueline, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. You know, no complaints. It's sunny out and uh, things are going well here in Ottawa. Good, good. Glad yeah. to hear. It's uh, It's been a little bit of a heat wave here in Europe, so I'm currently dying in my apartment, but uh, it's nice weather, so I can't complain. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the heat either. I think that's why we like hockey, right? Yeah, I know. I also like run at a very high core temperature to begin with, so it's oh. it's tough. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. I sweat all the time. I'm like, I'm just sitting here. <laughs> exactly exactly that's me like every single day of my life luckily we've you know bought a fan because we don't have ac so i'm just like sitting in front of the fan all day long these days <laughs> i love it i love it well i am pumped to be here today i'm excited to chat with you no me too and you know what i think like where we need to start is kind of just you introducing yourself you know a little bit of your background where you started where it is that you are now and where it is you're you know hoping to go in the future oh how do i how do i keep this short <laughs> Basically, I grew up uh, just south of Ottawa, played some youth hockey here, got an opportunity to go down to the TAF school for prep school when I was 16. So I repeated my grade 10 year, 11, 12, did there, got a full scholarship to the University of Connecticut. So I was good old UConn Husky. That was a, an amazing experience. It was awesome. 
I uh, coached there for the year after, uh, and then I actually went over to Switzerland to play for a season, which was unbelievable. It was back in 2010 when it was an Olympic year. So when my teammates went to play at the Olympics, we basically had a month off. So I got to like travel and just, you get it, you're living there, right? Yeah. You just get to soak it all up and visit as many you know countries as you can. Uh, and then I came back and, and joined um, Connecticut Northern Lights. So I was kind of a player development, coach development with them for a couple of years. And that's more or less when I was starting up my my business as well, women's hockey life. Uh, and then an opportunity came up back at UConn for an assistant coaching job. So I went back there for the next five, six years. Uh, time frame's kind of off now as you get older, right? You can't remember <laughs> what you did each year. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, so I went back and coached. And uh, then I got pregnant with twins. And I would, thought I, be I believed I could still maintain that, you know, NCAA D1 coaching lifestyle and raise twins. And, and the reality hit me and um, chose to take a step back from coaching and be a stay-at-home mom for the first year. And that's when I really dove into the business. Um, you know, hockey's been my life. It always has been. So I try to stay involved in the game as I could. And I, I'm doing that now through through the business. Amazing. Amazing. I was actually looking at your elite prospects page before we jumped on to like kind of see a little bit of the background. I saw that you played in, in Switzerland for a season. So that, yeah, I mean, that's amazing. So like as somebody who, you know, started out in youth hockey, like what was that journey like for you going from youth all the way up to playing at the University of Connecticut? Well, I mean, I started on the ponds right? Backdoor, outdoor rinks. Um, my dad would always make one in the backyard and that's just, I don't know, it's how we do it in Canada, right? You, you start mm -hmm. on the, on the ponds and the, the backdoor rinks and everything out. It's just, I don't know, it's a part of who I was. Um, so grew up watching my, my older brother play. So always wanted to be like him. Um, and then, you know, there are opportunities here in Ottawa kind of fizzled out, like the, the PWHL didn't exist. So the team I was playing for, there's talks of it folding. So I was like, okay, my end goal is to play with Hockey Canada one day. Like, what's my next step to get there? And for me, it was then, okay, I got to take my career to the States and go to a prep school. So I did that. Um, it was great because you had access to the ice whenever you wanted, right? You know, I played with the Connecticut Polar Bears at the same time. So developmentally, during the season, it was like seven days a week. So I loved it because I love the sport. Um, but then it was, you know, okay, how do I get to, to Team Canada? How do I get there? You know, I got to keep going, keep going. And I got invited out to Team Ontario a couple times for tryouts, but it got cut every time, which is probably hindsight the best thing that happened because it just lit a fire, right? Like, mm -hmm. I know I can do this. Um, so through that kind of quote unquote failure, I, it actually pushed me to be a better player and work harder. I'm like, I finally realized that my skill isn't going to get me to where I want to be. I actually have to now put in more work, mm -hmm. right? Talent alone isn't just going to, getting me to where I want to be. I got to be the hardest worker now. So yeah, opportunity at UConn came up and um, had a pretty good freshman year and, and Hockey Canada, I guess, noticed and invited me out to their under 22 camp to, to try it with them. So that was, that was quite the experience. That was awesome. Um, just to see like, you know, the top 40 players in that, that year and be like, okay, where do I rank? How am I going to do? Right. Mm -hmm. And obviously you your all and ultimately I got cut again, <laughs> but uh it just, again, pushed me further. It's like, I, I know I can get there. I know I can do it. But at the end of the day, like the truth is I just wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. Hard pill to swallow, right? But it's the reality. I gave it my best. I have zero regrets. I just wasn't good enough. But like, there's nothing to have a regret about, right? I mean, you had oh. a dream of of playing for Hockey Canada and you were able to get the, in, the invite. And I think that says a lot in and of itself, right? Because Hockey, Hockey Canada is a huge organization. Canada is a huge country. 
I mean, hockey is literally our winter sport, right? Like there's so many people that play. So the fact that you made the top 40 pool of all the kids in all of Canada goes to show just how much like talent and hard work you had to actually get to that point. Right. And then also like to be able to, um, you know, see those failures, I'm going to say failures in quotes here, because like, I don't think that's actually a failure, but like to be cut from team Ontario, like it does like that fire in you to say like, okay, you know what? Like, this is not acceptable to me. And I need to figure out where that gap is between where I am now and where it is that I'm looking to go. And not a lot of players, one, have the drive to do that, but two, have the knowledge to sit and say, okay, like something isn't right. Something needs to be improved upon. And it starts with myself self-awareness piece absolutely and and you know I always wanted to wear that hockey Canada jersey and I didn't realize it at the time but like looking back on that camp I actually got to wear it because we played against Sweden and Finland they came over to compete against us for our tryouts and I was like oh my gosh I wore it and I'm like I actually got number 26 which was my former teammate's number Sarah Bayankul who played for Team Canada so I like felt honored to be able to wear quote-unquote her number and I was like I did do it and I have a picture of me in it and that's like just changing my perspective of I didn't actually fail. I actually did what I wanted to do, not to, you know, obviously making it to the Olympics, but I'm like, I got to represent my country for two games. Like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is amazing. It's a huge accomplishment. Just, yeah. And that's something I think a lot of us, you know, when, when we quote, like fail, you don't actually see the progress you've made. And it's, mm-hmm. you got to take that step back and, and really look at everything that you have accomplished absolutely pushing forward right it's again it's a self-awareness piece like knowing who you are what your goals are what motivates you everything and and ultimately pushing yourself if that's truly what you want Mm -hmm. you know and it's funny that we're talking about this because I actually had this realization myself the other day I was going for a walk and I was thinking like a a few years ago somebody had said to me when are you going to grow up and get a real job and that lit a huge fire in me because I mean I don't like when people tell me I either can't or I shouldn't or I'm not able to do something right I feel like a lot of athletes have that that kind of quality to them and I was thinking about this the other day so you know I've been playing my whole life I grew up in Ontario went out to to university and played for five years on the east coast ended up moving overseas I've lived in three different countries already and now you know this upcoming season I'm going to be playing for a team that's traveling all across Europe and like just my sport like yeah you know what my dream was of course like to make the Hockey Canada Olympic team like to be at that level too and and I never made the window of getting noticed or anything and that's that is what it is right but my sport has allowed me to literally travel and see more parts of the world than most people do in their lifetime that is the beauty of hockey or in sports in general like whatever regardless of what sport you play like if you allow the game to the game can literally take you all over the world and like that's what I hope people realize is like get a real job it's like you don't what does that mean like get a like you can make a career out of what you love, whether it be a sport or art or music or whatever. Like if you've got the passion and that burning desire inside your belly, like you will never give up because you just know that you're meant to do something in this field. Like there's nothing that can stop you. And, and that that was hockey for me and for you. Like it's taken you all over the world and you've gotten these life experiences that people in their 60s haven't even had. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, for me, like, I don't know, like, I think what you said is like, absolutely correct. Like the idea that like, if there's something inside you and you just have this like deep seated feeling, like you're meant for more that like, this is, you know, what the path that you're supposed to take, like, it's so important to follow that because every single decision in my life where I've had those gut feelings like that, those deep seated, like, I just know that this is like the right decision. It's always been the right decision. It's always come out the right way for me. And it's led me to go across, like I said, go across Canada, go across Europe. Like now it's taking me even further. And like, that is, that is like, an experience and like a wealth of experience I will never be able to get anywhere else totally 100% agree with you but on that note though so you went from playing youth to going to UConn and then you ended up in a uh, a player development opportunity but then you ended up coaching at UConn for five or six years so how how was that experience it was awesome it it made me, well, I forgot to mention that while I was with the um, Connecticut Northern Lights, I was still playing with the Boston Blades in the CWHL. So mm. I was still playing. And just even being in that coaching role, that player development role, and like getting on the ice with these young kids, it made me a better player because I was able to understand, you know, like a coach's perspective. So like, you know, being in a coaching role and then going back to playing, it's like, oh my gosh, I understand why coaches make these decisions now or how important it is for players to accept their role. Mm -hmm. That ultimately, because like I, with the Boston Blades, I was, you know, maybe sometimes second line, but like more like third line. Mm -hmm. And I had had my entire career being a first line player. And now I have this different role and it was like, it was very humbling, but I also took it in stride because I, I got it because I was coaching too. Like I, I get that everyone plays a role and I'm still helping this team win. Mm -hmm. And then when I went back coaching at UConn, I understood it even more. Like I worked more with those third, fourth line players because I understood their mindset and the ones that wanted to get better and push their way to that, you know, second, even first line, I could help them now. Mm -hmm. Whereas I, I couldn't that first year I coached at UConn after I played, like I didn't have that experience of being a third liner or really even coaching. That was my first year coaching. Right. So mm -hmm. it was, it's just funny how everything in your life you go through for a reason. And sometimes you don't get it at the time. Like, obviously I wanted to play first line with the blades, but I'm like, Kelly Stack, Erica Lawler, like Casey Bellamy, Angela Ruggiero, like all these US Olympians are my teammates. And I'm like, yeah, they're better than me. Like, <laughs> here's a slice of humble pie, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I couldn't deny that, but it was, it was just, I don't know, it was the coolest experience. And, and then coaching at UConn was just, it was fun. Like it really was to like be able to help these young girls you know, improve on the ice, helping with personal stuff going on. Um, I mean, it's a grind. It's seven days a week, which is obviously why I ultimately kind of peeled out uh, once I had my kids and couldn't really manage it all. But um, it truly is. A, it's an awesome experience. I like that you talked about like the roles part, because I think as a young player without having that coaching knowledge or experience, it's very, very difficult to understand the importance of knowing and playing your role right? Like that's something that I ended up learning in my university years. I didn't have to learn it beforehand because I was usually the starting goaltender when I was, when I was playing. So it didn't, 
know, I never had like the backup thing or whatever, but it wasn't just like from the goalie's perspective that I learned that also, I also learned it because I would look at the other girls on our team and they all had different strengths about them that made our team whole and made it function the way a team needs to function, right? Like you obviously have like your first line goal scores, um, but you also on that line typically have somebody who's playmaking, right? And then you have like your second line, which is again, like that's like the backup, like let's have some extra scoring opportunities here and more playmakers, but your third and fourth, like grind lines, my God, I loved watching those lines play. They were my absolute favorite lines to watch because they never gave up on anything. Like at least from, from where I sat, like if there was a, (laughs) if there was like, a bad giveaway and we were coming back the other way down our end on the first line you definitely see some stragglers right like they're very offensive players so like the back checks a little bit slack there but that third line grind oh my god they hustle all the time right and they were difference makers in the game too absolutely they were because whenever you needed to get that goal they grinded to the point where like it's not going to be a pretty goal most times it's not but they get you on the board when you need to get on there. Right. So like, I think it's really important for young athletes to understand that no matter what your role is, you play an important part of the team. Absolutely. And, and it's a hard thing to understand at that age. And I don't, I don't know if I did again, I I was fortunate enough to be in that top line. So it was different, but something, and I always had good leaders ahead of me, but that I learned was always to compliment pump the tires of congratulate, you know, the, the players that weren't on the top lines for the good things that they did do, because it made them feel a part of the team, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's team culture is everything. Like if a team gets along well on the ice, off the ice, like you, you have that synergy and you're going to compete and go through a wall for each other. So it's like, yeah, as a, as a, you know, third, fourth liner, like understand and accept your role, always push yourself to get better. So you can move up the lineup you know, like you can always earn more ice time, but then for those top lines, it's, it's, don't forget to thank the others for doing their part and doing their role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that Lauren and I have talked about a few times in a, a couple of previous episodes is the fact that, okay, like if we talk about the importance of playing to your strengths, like knowing your role on the team, but also if you have ambitions to be in a different role on the team, then that's when you need to kind of do that self-analysis and say, okay, like, where is it that I'm not good enough to be playing at that role yet? So what is it that I need to be doing to get to that point, right? Like if, if you're a, a very defensive player, but you want to be playing on the power play, like we have to address the issue of being only a defensive player, right? Like you have to be willing to be more offensive and, and create more opportunities and then, you know, work your way up to being on that power play line. Yep. Yep. And that goes even to like when players are getting recruited to college university, like knowing your strengths, play to those. Don't try and be a player that you're not because a coach is going to value and love what you bring to the table if you're playing your true game. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. you want to go somewhere where a coach is going to appreciate appreciate that. Like every team can't have 40 point players you know mm-hmm. like they need those role players so you know we get asked that all the time like you know I don't have great stats but like am I still going to get recruited and I'm like I know a lot of people that went d1 that were third line centers that were full scholarship mm-hmm. 
because that was their role. They were the defensive. They were always on the PK, like major face-offs, like centermen, like that, that was valued. And you want to go somewhere where you are valued. You don't want to like fight tooth and nail to have this D1 team or any team take you when they don't respect you or your style of play. It's not going to end well. Well, and like whenever you've typically seen teams that have a lot of like high goal scoring people on that team, typically there's a lot of breakdowns defensively too that you see there, right? Like they're, they're more offensive, like, yeah, sure. They can score goals, but if you don't have anybody on your team that really understands the importance of like a good offense starts with a strong defense, then you're going to see a lot of problems too. And like, even when I was in university, our men's program ended up getting cut in my second year because they were unable to produce, like they brought in great crowds, yeah. but the, the program overall was very, very poor individually, great players, statistically not too bad, but as a whole functioning in, in one team didn't work very well. That's the truth. You got to come together as a team or else you won't win. And I, the case for your men's team, you get cut. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like a devastating, that was a very devastating day because it like nobody was expecting it to get cut. Right. Like, yeah, I think more often we hear women's programs being cut rather than men. So it was uh, definitely a, an eye opener in many, many regards. But, Absolutely. So, okay. So let's talk about women's hockey life then. Right. So like, that's obviously where I ended up meeting you. I came into contact with you through women's hockey life, but women's hockey life was created at like 12 years ago. That's like that's a pretty long time. So like what kind of inspired you to start that in the first place? It's just like, uh, you know, the, the dream of playing for hockey Canada. I had that burning desire. I just knew that it was something that I could potentially do. So I never gave up right from when I was a little kid all the way till I don't know, I was 21 or whatever, and you had the opportunity. It, it took a long time to get there. So with women's hockey life, like it was the same thing where I knew with my experience, my team's experiences in the game that we could help fill the holes of what's missing in women's hockey. So it literally just started out as like a kind of a blog outlet, news outlet of, you know, when I was in Switzerland, I just started blogging about my experience in there and giving exposure to the ZSA Lions and the league and, um, you know, putting a spotlight on, something other than North America, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I got some friends that were playing over there and, and, you know, kids in prep school and university, they were blogging about their experience. So again, the mainstream media doesn't really focus on the average player. It's, it's obviously the Olympians and stuff. And I get that, but we wanted to highlight everybody, mm -hmm. all, all ages, all, you know, countries, all levels, everything. So it started out like that. And then as it evolved, you know, we'd get emails from people if you're like, hey, we need help with this, we need help with that. So we're like, all right, let's create something. Let's create a business around that. So, you know, we've got different branches. So there's the academy where we help the high school players, you know, navigate the whole recruiting process for university, for college. Um, you know, we've, we've got apparel. We've got profiles you can create to connect with coaches. Um, there's a couple other things in the works as well. But it's it's literally just trying to help give more exposure to the game and and help young women and even adults like achieve their goals whatever they are mm -hmm. give them the resources that they need to succeed what a great mission that is to like that's obviously been part of my mission as well as to to be able to kind of increase the knowledge around women's hockey 
not just in North America where it's so prominent, obviously, but there are so many opportunities in Europe that we don't hear about. I mean, as a, as a young girl from Brantford, Ontario, like I didn't even know that like university hockey was a thing until I reached the PWHL and I ended up playing in the PW by like a very good lucky circumstance, I would say. Um, which ended up, of course, letting me go and play at university. And then after university, I was like, okay, well, like, what's going to be next then? And I knew that there was a few girls who had gone overseas to play. So I was like, all right, well, like, let's, let's see where this goes. Right. And, you know, I've, I've been to Hungary, to Norway, now in Germany, going to be going all over Europe, like the rest of this, this season. So like, there's just so many different avenues that you can take with it. And you don't have to be an Olympian to do all this stuff. I think that's the the amazing part. Yeah. There's a lot of people getting paid to play overseas and, you know, it's, you get the, the life experience as well, but it's just exposing the opportunities that are out there. Like I, I went to UConn, University of Connecticut, and I still remember the first time they called me. So embarrassing. They're like, hey, I'm so-and-so from UConn. Like, we're interested in you. We've seen you, is that and the other? And like, in my head, I'm like, UConn, the territory in Canada has a <laughs> hockey program? And like, it's even more embarrassing because I was at a prep school in Connecticut and I still didn't know, uh, like, I was like, what? And I was like, oh my gosh. And I remember telling the coaches that story when I committed, I didn't say it, but it was the thought in my head. And I'm like, but I didn't know. I'm like, I'm from Ottawa. Yes, I'm going to a prep school in the States, but I didn't know all of the, the universities out there that had women's hockey no so like, but it's just such a fun innocent like mess up though I I love it I've had a few of those myself <laughs> I don't know if I want to go all the way up there but I mean like cool maybe it could be a great experience but that's <laughs> that's why we then created the academy to you know to help in um just to help people know what's out there like we're in the middle of creating this ebook where it lists every single school in North America that offers women's hockey so it's like a quick guide essentially of hey here's all the schools that are out there here's where they are, here's the conferences, divisions they play in, here's what you need to do to, in order to, to play in college, play in university, and that stems from our our personal experiences, all my staff of, we didn't know, right, so it's, mm-hmm. it, everything we've built comes from our, what we wish we had when we went through all of it, from youth to university to overseas and and, and beyond. Yeah, I think that's where everybody's mission really starts, right, is like, yeah. especially in women's hockey, right, I mean, Back back then, I'm sure there wasn't a lot of opportunity in terms to be playing professionally other than to be on like a national team, right? Like I know they had the CW and even when I graduated university, the CW folded that very year. So I was like, okay, like now what? But yeah, um, but yeah like it's it was the same for, for Lauren and myself too, right? Like we're in the mindset coaching game right now and it started for us both because we struggled. Like she had her own struggles. Hers were a little bit earlier on than mine. She was like in high school and that's when she ended up getting into that coaching. But for me, it was like, it was, well, I mentally was struggling like in university. That's like where it really started, but I never actually sought out any coaching until I moved overseas. So that's where it started for me too. And like, I mean, these are the tools that I wish, and I, I can think I can speak for Lauren here that we both wish we had when we were at that age, because it can really be a game changer in terms of knowing yourself, being able to set those goals and really understand how you can like realistically and sustainably get to them. 
right? And then also like provide you with more of the tools so you can help to like build your motivation and your confidence and your focus and just be able to show up and play at your best every single day. And like, we, we all know that playing at your best every day doesn't look the same, right? Like if you've got 60% in the tank, you go ahead and you give 60%. But if you're showing up and you're feeling great and it's like a really good day, then that's what you're doing, right? So just kind of educating younger kids on the importance of doing the mental training, because that's, what's really going to help you set yourself up for success in the long run. Yeah. I think it's great what you guys are doing because it it's, it needs to be there and it is a game changer. It, it like the, your mindset dictates everything that you do, everything that you do. And it all stems from your emotions. Mm-hmm everything we act on is based on an emotion we're having and the more self-aware you are and the more you can recognize those emotions and what they really mean and why am I being triggered why am I not motivated today how am I intrinsically motivated extrinsically motivated like where is it stemming from it's like knowing what makes you want to do what you do and if you're not self-aware and you you don't understand your emotions then that's when it wreaks havoc on you right Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely like that's exactly what happened to me that's why I had the mental health struggles that I did because I was Uh, I was in a space and in place around people or rather one person that really did not benefit me at all. Like it kept me walking on eggshells in a very small box. And I confined myself to the point where like mentally I became depressed. I started to get anxious and I had anxiety and panic attacks like very frequently. And then, you know, ended up seeking out some help from a doctor eventually to get some medication and try and get things under control. But at the end of the day, it wasn't like what I was feeling was a product of the environment that I was allowing myself to be in. Right. And at that moment in time, I didn't have enough self-awareness or knowledge to know that that's why it was happening. Right. But once you start to build that self-awareness and, and understand yourself more and understand your emotions and all that stuff, that's when you're really able to like harness the power of that mindset training. And and that's what you guys do, right? Like, how do you help a player go through that? Like, a, like on like overview surface level. We always start with self-awareness. Whenever anybody walks through the door, that's exactly where we start. And, and I think, you know, a lot, I think there's a statistic that one of our colleagues has, and it's like 95% of people think that they're self-aware, but in reality, only about 15% are, right? So as much as you might think that you're aware of everything that's going on, if you aren't really understanding your emotions, what it is they're telling you, what's triggering those, also understanding the thoughts that are coming in, you know, in association with those emotions, then you yeah. really don't have a lot of self-knowledge. Yeah. So that's Trigger. always Trigger. like the foundation. Totally, totally. And everyone gets triggered, right? Like, but it's understanding that people don't do things to you. They do them for themselves. And if they're triggering you, that's an opportunity for you to look inward, figure out what that core emotion is that you're feeling and process it, deal with it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we live in a society where it's like a quick fix. Oh, you're depressed here. Do this. Oh, this is happening. I'm going to fix it with this where I don't know for you, but personally, I'm like, you got to feel the emotion. You've got to go through it and process. It's okay to have a meltdown. It's okay to cry. I did mm-hmm. it the other night. I bawled my eyes out and then I felt great afterwards because I let the emotion out. Whereas mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I bottled it all up and then 
it would be something silly like someone made fun of my shoes and I'd snap it was not about the shoes it was about everything that I'd been holding in and not processing and dealing with and talking about you know Mm -hmm. so it's 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 just funny how little attention gets put on that especially in college like you know you've strength and conditioning coaches hockey coaches tutors academic advisors but like sports psychologists I don't know about you but I mean I think there was one for the entire athletic department we did not even have a sports psychologist in our school Uh, I think in the last two years we had uh, a former player who was going through for her PhD and she came and did a couple sessions like with the team um, as a as a whole but I personally felt like it was more like goal setting group bonding type uh, work and I mean even for, for myself, like when I was going through all that, even after seeking out like a doctor and medication, like that wasn't like, it helped a little bit, of course, but like, it wasn't solving the problem. And I knew that there was more to it. And I ended up seeking out, um, the school counselor who now that I look back, like that's, I think that's where everything really started with me, like trying to figure out what the root cause of all of that was. And it wasn't until I got myself out of the environment that was causing me to kind of like self-sabotage and and play small that I started to feel better yeah so that's kind of like where the emotional awareness started to show up for me and ever since then it's been like okay like this is like really really important stuff and I mean I'm not I'm not in therapy yet and I'm not against therapy I want to go eventually but um Like I've been doing so much like one-on-one coaching with our coaches to, again, build that self-awareness, build the emotional awareness. And it's helped so much. And it's not just in like hockey, it's in every aspect of your life too, right? Um, I mean, one of the, the biggest things for me was like after university, I received a contract to go and play for a team in Kazakhstan. And it was like a three year deal would have had the potential to go and play for their national team, like get the citizenship, all that fun stuff. And that was like my dream on a platter just like handed to me. I was like, fuck, like I get to go and play at the Olympic level. Like that would be sick. Um, And then like two weeks before I was supposed to be going, like they're like, no, we're taking somebody else instead. And like my whole world came crashing down. Like I, like I felt so awful and actually our our insurance lady who like was getting ready to put like all of my insurance together before going over was there at the time and I was like like I just can't handle this right now like I'm gonna I'm gonna go and just process and I took the entire night like did what I needed to do right like I just needed to take time cry it out process go through everything in my head and then after I got through that I was like you know what everything happens for a reason so if 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 this is taken away now okay that's fine. Something else will come up in the future. Very next day, I had an offer from a team in Hungary. Boom. Right? Like, it, you don't always understand things in the moment, right? Like you said earlier. But yeah, but it's doing exactly what you just did is changing your mindset around the situation. It's, you know, yeah, have a little pity party, cry it out, and then be, and then understanding that, no, everything does really happen for a reason. Something better is going to come along, right? And mm-hmm. it did for you, but it's a hard thing. Easy. It's easy to hear the concept. Yeah. You're like, logically, I get it. But then to implement it, that's where I think a lot of people struggle with it. And I mean, myself to, to, to an extent sometimes too. Right. But um, it's just a matter of truly believing it. Mm-hmm. 
you said, you're like, you're, you haven't gone to therapy yet, but you're doing other stuff. And I think that's part of also a process for somebody to figure out is therapy right for me? Is one-on-one coaching right for me? Is a life coach right for me? Like, I feel like I've been in therapy my whole life from like high school through college and even after, right? After having kids, like, ooh, that was a, that was a interesting emotional time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, and then, you know, I, I started to become more spiritual, like understanding energy, understanding frequencies. And, you know, now I have a life coach that kind of has the same perspective of me and like, it resonates with me more, mm-hmm. right? Well, therapy worked for a bit, but then I changed. So I changed the kind of help that I needed. Mm-hmm. And right? that's, the, that's the important part, right? It's like making sure like, again, you know yourself well enough to say, okay, like I know that this is going to work for me. And maybe like, maybe you haven't had any experience with that stuff before. So it's about like trial and error. Like that's life, right? Life is trial and error. You try once, like think of when you're a kid, right? When you're a kid, you have the greatest imagination in the world. You can be whatever it is that you want to be. Sometimes you want to be a doctor. Sometimes you want to be a fireman. Some days you want to be like both in one day, right? Like you can do whatever you set your mind to. And, but when you're a kid, you you set out to do something and if it doesn't work, you keep trying, you keep doing different things, right? Like you, I, I don't think kids really get discouraged that much in that sense, but it's like, once you get to this, like, you know, teenage, young adult, adult years that, okay, something doesn't work and you're like, well, might as well just give up now. Society influences us as we get older. Absolutely. People around us, coaches, parents, siblings, friends. And that's where we stop dreaming because we start believing the stories they're telling us instead of creating our own story and believing the story we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's huge. Like, yeah, as a kid, Hey, well, I mean, I I went through with mine, like they couldn't even hold their head up when they were born, but trial and error, blah, 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 head. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) they, strength and they kept their head up and then they learned to crawl and they learned to walk and they learned to run and jump and skip and everything else but they did it because they failed over and over and over again mm-hmm. and eventually they got it and that's where like you can literally do anything you want anything is possible you've just got to be resilient enough to keep trying right I, like absolutely yeah, fail, fail fail but that next time may be the time yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think honestly, I think part of the reason why why I'm where I am today is because my mom was my biggest cheerleader. She never once told me that I wasn't able to do something, especially when it came to hockey. Like whatever I wanted to do, she was gung ho, like number one fan, I will be there. Like I remember I was young and she I think she was like working like two jobs at the time, but she still found time to like pack my lunches to go to school, make sure all my favorite foods are in there you know, take me to hockey. She was at every single practice and game. Like she was like kind of a crazy mom, to be honest, if I'm, you know, I love her to pieces, but she's, but, (laughs) but I think that's like hockey parents, especially goalie parents in general, (laughs) different breed. (laughs) I know like goalies are weird, but like goalies, parents are psycho. (laughs) I can't wait for your mom to hear this one. This is awesome. (laughs) I love you. I promise. I promise. But you had a good support system around you. And that's another thing that, especially, you know, young kids going through middle school, high school, you know, you start to get that peer pressure influence of partying or doing whatever. And it's, it's remembering why you're doing what you're doing and 
hey, you may be going to a tournament on the weekend instead of going to that party, but it's going to get you to that long-term goal a lot quicker by doing that mm-hmm. and having the right people around you who are going to support you and love you and not try and crush your dreams and tell you that it's not realistic. You can't do that. That's not like join reality, come back to reality. And I always say like, you obviously don't live in the same reality as I do, if that's what you think. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you can't do it, that's fine. But don't, you can't have those people knocking you down when you're trying to strike out to do something great. You got to have a good support system around you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's also really imperative that coaches understand that concept too. Right. I remember when I was in junior, I think it was in my first year and I had a really lights out season in my first year of junior. And I started to receive offers from schools and I got one from division three, SUNY Canton, like the kangaroos kangaroos yeah yeah and uh me and actually my best friend at the time she had uh she had also received the offer but I mean as I was this fresh uh fresh young kid going into junior like of course I had those star-studded division one eyes yeah on I was just like no 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 no. I'm not doing division three like that's not gonna happen and I remember one day one of our coaches, not our head coach. I think he was like, I don't know, team manager or something like that. Anyway, um, he was asking me about like the tour that we had, we had went on when we were there for a tournament. And I was like, yeah, it was okay. Like to me, it wasn't really anything to write home about at that time. And he was like, well, I think you should take that offer because that's the best offer you're ever going to see. And I was like, thanks, man. That's so nice of you to say to one of your players. Like, good job right like what yeah exactly and uh, you know what I'm happy that I didn't let that bug me though like I know that there's so many girls who would have let that get to them been like oh you know what yeah you're right like I'm not that great of a player like you know whatever but ultimately by following my gut like I was saying earlier and saying like no 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 like that's not for me it led me to where I needed to go and I I did get division one offers but I didn't go division one. I chose to go out, out East and stay in Canada, play youth sports or CIS at the time, I guess, and continue that way. And the second that I went out to New Brunswick, like little bum, little bum fuck New Brunswick, uh, <laughs> I knew the second that we got to campus and, and went touring around and saw the rink and stuff that like, this is where I was supposed to be. I just yeah. knew. You felt it. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's important to to get on campuses and tour them because you only do so much online and it's there's obviously the the logical part of Kate does it have X Y and Z but then the emotional piece of making a decision is huge too you got to mm-hmm. get on the campus see what it feels like and trust that intuition trust yeah. their gut and get to like meet the the coaches and the players and like spend time with them and stuff and that's I'm happy that on our tour that's one thing we did get to do like of course our our coach. Um, he really wanted us to be there. So he like pretty much pampered us the entire time. But when we got to go and, and spend time with the girls and like have a few drinks or, or whatever, I was a beige at the time. So it's all good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gotta say that, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, getting to be in that environment and to feel the, the energy with everybody was, was so yeah. important. And that played a huge role in my decision to say, okay, like this is, this is where I want to be. This group of girls seems like really down to earth, very like family. Like that's exactly how it felt. And it's 
felt that way the entire five years that I ended up playing there. That's awesome. For speaking, yeah. Oh my God. It was a great experience. Um, but speaking of family, okay. So you had twins. I want to talk about that actually, because as like, I'm turning 28, family is a, a thought in the, the somewhat yeah. nearish future. So let's, let's talk about that. What was that experience like? Well, it was exhausting, um, given that we did IUI. So I think eight or nine times, mm. uh, so just trying to conceive a baby was exhausting all the hormones and everything else. My emotions were all over the map because of that. Um, had a miscarriage throughout that at one point. So mentally just like that takes a toll on you as well. Um, and then finally we went to IVF and we conceived Justin and Julia. And it was funny because the doctor was like, he brought in a couple nurses and like before doing the actual procedure, he was like, okay, just so you know, you've got an A plus and an A plus plus like embryo. You're going to have twins. And I'm like, my head, I'm like, it's been a year and a half. We've gone through this like nine times already. I'm like, I obviously trusted him, but I was like, whatever. If we get one, great. If we get two, at least we know it. And of course we had twins, um, but it, it just changes your perspective on everything. It's, it's something that I think any mom listening or, you know, we can dad, not to exclude them, but when you carry, it's just, you, you finally understand what unconditional love means. Mm -hmm. I would do anything for these two, you know, and, Mm -hmm. but it was a grind and then, you know, C-section, it was just the recovery of that, the emotions afterwards, the postpartum depression, like, it hit me really hard. And that's part of the reason why ultimately it was like, I'm not going back to coaching. Like I have to take care of me now mm-hmm. and, and the kids. <laughs> I have of to figure course. out how to keep two tiny humans alive, like kind of a priority. Like at the end of every day, it's like, high five, they're alive. You know, yeah, like, the bare minimum, keep them alive. Yeah, celebrate <laughs> the little things, you know? Um, but yeah, it's been like the greatest gift ever in my life. Oh, that's so amazing to hear. I always love to like listen to moms talk about their kids because I'm just like, you love them so much. And I, I know how much like my mom cares about me and stuff. So I'm just like, yeah. can't wait to eventually be at that point to, to have that kind of love to give to somebody too. Absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. Half the time I'm a referee between the two of them. And then, you know, I wanna, <laughs> Hey, two kids up for sale. Anybody want them today? Like I'll take them back tomorrow. But uh, obviously it's like anything in life too. You got highs and lows and it's no different in parenting. Mm-hmm. No one knows how to do you can read as many books as you want, but until you're in it, until you're actually doing it, you learn as you go. Just mm-hmm. like anything. Just like anything. Exactly. I think that's life in general, right? Trial and error, learn as you go. Um, yeah. I've heard I've heard so many people say, like, no amount of parenting books is gonna help you. Like yeah. you like they'll help in certain, like maybe certain topics or whatever, but like ultimately it's gonna come down to like experience and just and trusting your gut. Like there's so many times where it's like, okay, there's two of them. I'm alone with them at night. They're both crying. Do I let them both cry it out? I can't be in two places at once. Like all the books say that I should do this, but this one says that. And ultimately I would always go to my daughter because she had this acid reflux thing and and would always throw up essentially. Mm. So my son would always cry it out. And to this day, he's the best sleeper. And I was like, oh, maybe there's some truth to that. Like I didn't intentionally do that method, but it worked. And like my daughter, she sleeps fine too, but still a bit different um but it's like I I don't like until you're in that moment you don't know what is going to happen or how to navigate it you just gotta like intuitively listen to what your gut's telling you to do 
even mm-hmm. if it's against like breastfeeding everyone you got to breastfeed you got to breastfeed and I'm like there's two of them like I feel like a milk factory here like <laughs> this is crazy like oh my gosh and I wasn't sleeping and like I was like that no and like I, I think I breastfed for six weeks and then I was like I'm gonna lose my mind and I have to put myself first right now and then you know switch to a combination of formula and, and breast milk and then it was straight up formula and as soon as we went to formula they slept through the night like I'm talking in bed at 5 30 up at six that was a dream dang yeah so I was like huh I thought I was supposed to breastfeed and then the formula is what worked right mm. but it was like, I don't know but then there, there's just so much that goes into that but it's anyways I'm getting off topic here <laughs> no no it's all good it's always always good to hear like everybody's experience right and I mean I know this obviously isn't a podcast about uh about about parenting by any means but it's also great to hear like the the perspective of parents especially when it comes to putting their kids in sport too right because like I think youth sports is one of the greatest way for kids to learn perseverance and learn some really essential skills that they're never going to teach you in a classroom don't even get me started on the education system (laughs) you're right and sports ultimately save people and they help you learn about yourself and teamwork and it's such a cool opportunity or even like dance or art or music or something that's you know brings people together and and has you understand what a team is and how to work well together and communicate and everything else it's I mean my my kids Justin's in soccer and Julia was gonna start some gymnastics and stuff but I'm like I'm not forcing them into anything that they don't want to do you know like I want them to find that passion and then do it instead of like, they still aren't playing hockey. And like, that kills me a little bit. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, I want, I want them to follow their own journey, their own path and what excites them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because then they'll want to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you play hockey because you love it. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that you say that you're one, not going to force them to to play a sport but also not like against whatever it is that they want to do because I mean I've being in the the hockey world as long as I have and obviously you as well like I've heard of you know guys that are playing that are saying like no no no, like my girl's not going to play hockey that's not going to happen and I'm like why like why wouldn't you let her play hockey if that's what she wanted to do and you know I mean I feel the same way as you like if if my kids don't want to play like that's gonna like sting a little bit especially because me and my partner obviously both come from hockey backgrounds but at the same time I'm not gonna push them to do something if that's not what they want to do either yeah and and you know that person you're talking about it's obviously something that his experience or his view on it and it's at the end of the day it's not about you it's about your kid Mm -hmm. it's about supporting them in their life journey yeah it's really all it is but again it gets back to the self-awareness piece like I know people in their 40s that act like they're eight don't we all (laughs) right but that's again it's it's again what you guys do when you help people try to figure out who they are at a young age so that they can follow their path and not look back and be like oh I only did this because my parents wanted me to or Mm -hmm. I felt like I was letting somebody down if I didn't do this Mm -hmm. it's like self aware you are the the quicker you're going to live your life for you that's such an important point to make because I remember when I was making the decision to go from uh, playing like junior to playing at the university level there was a couple different options that I had and my boyfriend at the time 
was trying to get me to take the option that was closest to home, like trying so, so hard. And I don't know if like him doing that, like made me want to like leave more or what it was, but I just like knew that that wasn't the right choice for me. And, you know, I know, again, there's so many people who would allow those external factors and those external opinions to influence their decision-making when you need to be making those decisions for yourself and, and nobody else, right? You shouldn't be making those decisions for your mom or your dad or your boyfriend or girlfriend or, or whoever, yeah. because at the end of the day, you need to be doing what's going to be best for you. Because if you go to a school that one, you don't like, or you don't want to be at, you're not going to enjoy your time. You're not going to get the best out of it, in my opinion. I agree. I totally agree with that. You're spot on. Period. End of sentence. I have nothing <laughs> to add to that. Oh, yeah. But um, as we kind of like start to round out, I really want to hear what is like the overall impact that you want to be having with Women's Hockey Life and the Women's Hockey Life Academy? Essentially empowering young girls into strong, independent women. It's not even about hockey. It's really just about helping, I mean, using the game of hockey to build confidence in these, these players, these girls and adults too. Like it's, I keep saying young kids, because it's primarily who we work with, but um, it's just helping them see who they truly are and giving them a path to live that life, to live their true authentic life and be proud of it and be happy with the decisions they're making. You know, like just, we all, I mean, I think you remember being a teenager too, not exactly the easiest years, but <laughs> no. you know, we, we all had that. And to this, to an extent today, like the self-doubt, you question whether you're good enough, whether it be sports, school, and you have all these references around you to say it's true, but you can rewrite your story any day just mm -hmm. because you, like for me, I wasn't a great student by any means at all. So I always thought I was dumb and that's the story I kept telling myself. And then I start building this business and I start learning about business and web development and social media and algorithms and all this stuff. And I'm like, wow, I'm actually really smart, but I was interested in it. So I wanted to learn about it. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, it's like, I'm finally in this state of where I feel empowered, where I know I can use my experiences, um, my staff's experiences, and just surround myself with great people who can ultimately help build these really strong, independent women who are going to change the world in whatever field they want. You know, it doesn't have to be hockey. Mm -hmm. Be a graphic designer, you can be an engineer, but you know, if you've got that confidence and that self-belief, you're going to take the world by storm. And that's really what we want women's hockey life to be is just a place where we use the game of hockey to, to teach them these things. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. I nothing else to even add to that because that's like the perfect way to sum everything up here. Um, on that note, is there like, where can, where can people reach you where they want to contact you to chat or if they want to get a hold of, you know, women's hockey life opportunities or anything? Plug it all easiest in. Way, yeah. Easiest way is just to go to womenshockeylife.com. Um, and then we have all of our branches within that website. There's a contact us button. So email, social media, it's all on there. Um, so instead of listing off every single thing, all the platforms, just head to womenshockeylife.com and you can find a, a million ways to get a hold of us. 
Perfect. I'll make sure that we link uh, link the the website in the description so everybody can go down there and access it. Um, but thank you so much for coming on. I know we've had some audio, video, internet <laughs> struggles along the way. So it's good to finally have this fully done. Completed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate you having me on and keep doing what you're doing because you're, you're making an impact in the world yourself. And it's, uh, it's good to see good people doing great things.